Hello everyone, it is now 5pm on this Wednesday evening in Kingston and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share with me, please contact me via email, which is news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Alexandra here, and I hope that you've been having a lovely Wednesday so far. Um, it's been some amazing weather that we've had today, um, for the most part. You know, I like being in the sun, and I've just been basking in the sunlight in my room and whatnot. Um, but I'm here to bring you um, your weekly dose of local news, and we have a really interesting conversation coming up. Um, right now, we are going to be speaking with a graduate student. Um, his name is Harshavandan, and he is going to tell us a little bit about um, a problem that a lot of teaching assistants at Queen's University are facing. Um, so let's welcome Harsh on to CFRC 101.9 FM. We're going to just jump right into it. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and introducing yourself for us, please? Okay, so uh, I'm a grad student with the Biosciences Department. Uh, I'm a fruit fly guy. I work on questions of the of sexual conflict and how it uh, it helps the evolution of fruit flies. And, you know, um, science questions. But primarily, the reason I got uh, involved with this issue is I'm the international student rep for the Biosciences Department, and we got a string of emails from students saying that they were not able to. Uh, accept peership contracts for uh, you know funding that kind of builds up builds to a part of their mandatory package, which totals to somewhere around twenty three thousand twenty four thousand dollars a year. Uh, and the reason they're not able to TA is because they're not currently in Canada. And originally we thought that this had to do with the fact that maybe they don't have a social insurance number or they don't have bank accounts in Canada that Queens can pay to. But then we realized very soon that that was not the issue because students who were very recently undergraduates in Canada who already have a social insurance number and, uh, you know, the bank account in Canada and all of that were being restricted from teaching as well. So we tried to follow up with the university. We reached out to the International Students Commissioner at the SGPS and they got in contact with the university. We got in touch with our union, PSAC, and they got in touch with the university. Uh, And we haven't heard very good reasons as to why these students aren't being allowed TA. And they did a major financial hit. So they either travel immediately, which is a, extremely unsafe and unhealthy during a pandemic, and also extremely expensive because frequently you're spending upwards of $1,000 just to come over to Canada and earn. And so one peership contract pays out about maybe $2,000, $2,400 or so. So you're spending half of that just to be at here. So it doesn't make much financial sense either. Uh, so yeah, we have a bunch of students who are in a lot of trouble as a consequence of these decisions made by the university. And that's how I came to hear about all of this. It's really interesting um, to see that this is kind of the case and stuff. And so like you were saying, there are several international graduate students um, at Queens who are losing their positions as teaching assistants. 
And um, can you maybe just tell us, I know you discussed it a little bit now, but sort of what the main problem is and maybe what you have experienced firsthand or some of like the um, concerns that have been brought to you um, in your position. Semester and towards the beginning of the fall semester, a bunch of international students received emails asking them where they would be spending their time in the semester, whether they would be here in Canada or not. Uh, and there was no indication of whether or not uh, the response to that email would in any way determine whether we were eligible for employment by the university. Uh, domestic students, some of whom are living abroad right now in the United States, for example, because they have family there, mm -hmm. or in parts of Europe for field work, for example, had not received similar emails in spite of the fact that they were under the exact same conditions where they were living elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we got these emails, uh, a bunch of us replied to them saying that, you know, we're not in Canada at the minute, we, we might be in China, Turkey, etc. Uh, and they got emails in response saying that they'd have to travel to Canada immediately if they wanted to TA. Uh, and this was extremely surprising because many of these students have, in fact, TA'd from abroad in the past. They have, uh, uh, we've, you know, actually done some kind of investigation into the issue. And we've noticed that there have been students who've TA'd either during field work or, you know, while being on a break from their thesis work and being, you know, living somewhere uh, outside of Canada. And so in the past, it's not been an issue. But for some reason this year, the university made the decision that international students who weren't residing in Canada wouldn't be allowed to teach. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure if that completely answers your question, because I, I don't have any first-hand experience with this. I'm just in, in somewhat a decent position to relate to you what mm -hmm. I've heard from other students in these positions. Yeah, for sure. And um, what sort of has the university or the office that you're dealing with, have they provided some sort of support or alternative um, to deal with this problem um, and, you know, to kind of compensate for all these teaching assistants who are losing out on this job opportunity and this um, financial opportunity as well? So far, none. Uh, we haven't heard of any alternative support that will be offered in this, in this situation. Uh, but I'm not even sure that a large number of students would be interested in alternative support. Teaching experience is something that's extremely crucial to grad students because a large number of us leave grad school to try and make it in academia. And if you want to make it in academia, you need to be able to display that you had teaching experience, that you've, that you've guided classes and the stuff. You need to have a, a teaching pedagogy and you need to have a portfolio of your own. Uh, so it's, it's extremely crucial to a lot of these students that they have employment. I, I imagine that for some of them, the immediate financials are more crucial, but it doesn't seem to be sufficient for the university to simply offer alternative funding. Great. Um, and is there any way that um, any next steps that either you're sort of taking or other, um, you know, people who are in this position, rather, are they kind of taking to... Um, kind of go to Queens and um, help themselves with this issue? Or are there ways in which anyone in the Queens community can kind of support these students during this time um, or take action um, to help in any way possible? So I, I can't speak personally for any of the students, but I also do believe that uh, personal action will probably get students nowhere in a situation like this. In terms of organizations, 
there are a couple of organizations that have taken up the cause of these students. The, the first is the LGPS, the Society for Grad and Professional Students. Uh, we've been in contact with Claudia, who is the International Student Commissioner, and Anthony, who's a part of the, uh, the SGPS exec, and Courtney Bannerman as well. Uh, and all of them have been extremely supportive, and they've been trying to take this issue to whatever tables they sit at the administration and try and find a solution for us. Uh, I believe that so far the, the administration has been extremely uh, stubborn about the situation. They've not really yielded to any of the, uh, any of the asks from the SGPS. So mm -hmm. we might be at a bit of a dead end with respect to that. Uh, in the meanwhile, PSAC, which is our union uh, for teaching assistance and research assistance has been uh, extremely rapid to both you know kind of consolidate uh, public support for this and at the same time take it up uh, with the university so i believe that typically what happens in a situation like this is that the exec of the uh, union puts a request to the uh, to the i think the the professional side of the union which actually deals with all of these situations with the employer uh, and they are likely to take into arbitration or something of that sort where they sit down with the administration and talk to them about the difficulty that their employees are having. And uh, I'm unclear as to what the status is on that. Perfect, thank you. Um, and is there anything that you would like to add that we kind of haven't touched on? Uh, I, I think that largely the things that are frustrating the international grad students is the fact that this treatment is uh, it's, it's extremely uneven in that there are a large number of domestic students who are not residing in Canada at the minute. And uh, the university's entire argument about, you know, there being taxation issues or the necessity to set up employment offices in other countries in order to have grad students TA from there somehow magically disappears when it comes to domestic students, but is, uh, is sufficient to not let international students TA this year. Uh, another major problem for us is that TA ships frequently make up a part of our mandatory funding package. And uh, for the university to simply take it away at this point undermines a large number of students' decisions to come over here. People make the decision to come over here based on whether or not it's financially feasible for them. And for the university to pull the carpet out from under our feet like that is extremely disturbing and has caused a large amount of resentment amongst graduate students. Uh, and thirdly, I, I think it's really crucial that we uh, show our support and thank both the, uh, both the organizations, that is the SGPS and the PSASE, who've been extremely, extremely quick to support us with this issue and will hopefully help us resolve it. Yes, for sure. Um, well, I hope that with everything going on that, you know, there's able to have some sort of middle ground in which um, those who have lost their TA ships can um, be fairly compensated or rewarded back for them and stuff like that. But I really do hope that everything moving forward, that it works out um, in your um, guys' favor and everything. But thank you so much for speaking with me about this issue and stuff like that. It's really interesting. And I hope that, um, you know, with more people hearing about it, that it will um, allow you to have like further headway on this problem. For sure. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for offering to cover this and uh... Well, thank you so much Harsh for that amazing information that um, we now know about 
within Queen's University and about these um, international graduate students losing their teaching assistant positions. Um, in other news regarding Queen's University, last week there was a virtual event called Student Mental Health in the Age of COVID that was hosted by Jane Philpott, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Health Sciences, and there were three panelists, Heather Stewart, Anne Duffy, and Brooke Linden, and they talked about, um, obviously, student mental health in this pandemic and how, it's, um, how the pandemic is affecting student health, how people can support one another, um, advice for students in residence and living at home um, and what people can do if you see that someone is struggling with mental illnesses as well as what student wellness has um, sort of had to deal with and sort of had to adapt to take care of its students during this pandemic time. Um, so some of the information that was kind of um, recapped at this event or that I will recap for you rather from this event um, is that this pandemic in regards to student mental health is that there is a lot of anxiety within the students um, just because they're so out of their usual routine and doing school completely online and either at home, away from home, um, just in a different situation um, is making it a lot harder on their mental health for sure. And they also did a survey um, of students in July and a lot of students were more worried about transmitting the virus to people around them rather than worried about catching the virus themselves and we see this in news articles all the time or on social media that people, um, younger people specifically, because they believe that they're healthy and that COVID-19 won't necessarily affect them health-wise too much, they're just worried about transmitting it um, and they're worried that with this new pandemic um, that has been lasting for quite a while now, like past six months, um, they're worried that there is a disruption to their different performances um, in terms of their social performance, their academic performance, physical performance, and all those different things. And a lot of these students are being forced into um, different practices, such as online learning. They don't really have a choice, and that is... A lot of the reason as to why there is a high increase of anxiety with students um, regarding COVID-19 and myself being a student I understand um, some aspects of it obviously I understand that this is um, you know it affects people in different ways and different means um, however there is um, firsthand from my own experience I, I get it <laughs> um, what they suggested at this event was to um, use resources that are at their disposal. So students, you can use student wellness services, you can go to the peer support center that is run by the Alma Mater Society at Queen's University, um, book an appointment with a counselor, um, try some self-help methods that you can research online, um, try self-care, um, and all these different things. And they also recommend to students to not lock yourself um, at your desk, in your house, or wherever your workspace is. Have that work-life balance. Make time to spend time with your housemates. Um, all that kind of stuff. And just have that work-life balance because that is so crucial um, in maintaining um, your mental health this year, especially because we are sort of trapped inside um, either our houses or wherever we may be um, pursuing online school. 
um, for people who are in residence and living in residence on Queen's University campus, um, the panelists um, suggested, of course, again, taking advantage um, of all the different resources and opportunities that Queen's University um, makes available to its students, such as student wellness services, but also maintaining um, high school friendships but also pursuing new university friendships and you can do that online um, you can reach out to different clubs and organizations um, that are on campus or even in the greater kingston community and you can kind of build maybe a virtual community there um, and even um, checking in with your parents and stuff like that um, because we know that a lot of students um, and kids and stuff they try to hide their problems from their parents they don't really want them to worry however it is important to kind of keep that connection and that's even um, goes for parents to keep that connection with your children um, and check in on them kind of have checkpoints along the way um, but if that's not possible for anyone um, have a friend or a roommate who can check in on you and um, check in and you can check in on them, just have a little vice versa, kind of, you know, we'll be there for each other um, if that's possible. Um, and that should really, really um, help out your situation a lot if you are struggling during this time. Um, and if you are someone who is living with someone who is struggling with mental illness, or if you yourself are struggling with mental illness, um, some of the panelists suggested that you can um, check the OnQ website for resources that are related to mental health. Um, and you can check your syllabus because professors do sometimes post that in their syllabus as well. Um, and that um, have a, and that professors should have an open dialogue with students. Um, and that is something that they recommend as well from this panel. Um, and definitely, if you are a student and you're listening, don't be afraid to reach out to your professors. Um, they're not scary. They're there for you, of course. So reach out to them. Um, let them know. You can also... Um, like I said, visit student wellness services and you can see what accommodations um, you can also um, have during the academic year. And in terms of student wellness, um, there are psychiatrists um, who are registered with student wellness to work with mental health problems that students may have. Um, and because there aren't many services and resources in the greater community, universities adopt programs, as stated by Anne, one of the panelists, um, to assist the students and to kind of focus and hone in on them rather than having this influx of people within the Kingston community. It specifies to Queen's students so that way they can, um, you know, really focus and make the time for its students at the university who are struggling. Um, so, you can check out all the resources available at Student Wellness, the website, which is just queensu.ca slash studentwellness. And I hope that this was some good advice for any students who are listening and just needed to um, hear a little bit more about, you know, you're not alone. There are a lot of other people struggling with mental health during this time with online school, um, being away from home or being at home um, and just use the resources that are available to you as a student and that is what is most important and what you should take away from this. In Greater Kingston News, a new Canada-wide literary series launched, um, which is really, really awesome because it was um, with a founding member um, who is Barbara Bell, who is the director of the Kingston Writers Fest, which just ended about um, three weeks ago or so. 
Um, but, you know, different libraries and literary festivals um, have sort of adapted to COVID-19 um, to still connect with their audience members throughout this pandemic. Um, and in Kingston, the Kingston Frontenac Public Library moved programming that they have at the library onto YouTube and Zoom. Um, and we even see that with the Kingston Writers Fest, like I mentioned, offered their festival as Zoom webinars, um, which is very, very interesting. And so now there is this literary series called the One Page Canadian Literary Series that brings together Canada's largest literary festivals and library systems in order to help readers and writers connect virtually. This organization and a news release states that they aim to offer events that are engaging, relevant, and reflective of contemporary book culture in Canada and so that they can connect with people across the country for free through live and pre-recorded virtual events that the public can access, which is really, really awesome. So like I said, Kingston Writers Fest artistic director Barbara Bell is one of the founding members of One Page Canadian Literary Series. And like I said, Kingston Writers Fest director Barbara Bell is one of the founding members of One Page, and she sits on the steering and curation committees, and she has been involved with the planning of this organization since the spring season. And in late September, different organizers reached out to different library systems and festivals across Canada, and Kingston Frontenac Public Library came on board, which is really, really awesome. Um, Kimberly Sutherland Mills, who is the manager of programming and outreach for the library, said that they are thrilled to be able to offer such high quality content. Collaborating with One Page allows us to bring events featuring international literary stars to our patrons. Barbara Bell says that Kingston Writers Fest looks forward to working with KFPL to promote one-page events as well as other more local programming which will also be included on the one-page website and all these events will be offered via Crowdcast and you can subscribe and receive notifications about all these events by going to onepagelit.ca um, and they also encourage you to sign up um, for their newsletters to receive more information about their local events and that's not a bad idea because um you know, with the province sort of reverting back to a modified stage two, um, not so much in Kingston, more so in the Toronto, Peel, and Ottawa areas. Um, however, still, um, with this sort of modified stage two that's slowly being worked into the province, um, it's just really great to have options of things that we can do. Um, you know, different virtual events that will keep us busy and maybe um, spark a new passion for us. Um, you never know. <laughs> in other exciting news, it is almost homecoming weekend, um, which is really, really awesome. We love homecoming, of course, at Queen's University. Um, we love getting together with alumni, current students, um, all that jazz, and having all these amazing events. And obviously this year, because of COVID-19, it is Queen's University's first ever virtual homecoming, um, but it is still going to be great nonetheless. Um, for any alumni who would like to still register for homecoming, um, visit queensu.ca slash alumni slash homecoming and you can register right on the website there's a little red button that you can click um but yeah on saturday october 17th so just in about three days um people from all over the world alumni from all over the world are going to gather um and celebrate amazing university moments um that sort of unite us as a community which is going to be really really awesome um and you can enjoy live entertainment connect one-to-one -one with different alumni um, there will be celebrating of the Tricolor Guard, you can relive Gale's sports moments, um, but yeah, the main event is at 1 p.m. this Saturday, there are different faculty and group sessions at 4.15, 
um, and it'll just be really awesome. So definitely register. The website is queensu.ca slash alumni slash homecoming. And for those who are not alumni um, and who are still going to be celebrating homecoming, um, don't forget about COVID-19 um, limitations. Um, no more than 10 people indoors, no more than 25 outdoors. Also, you are supposed to maintain your social circle within only people that you live with. Um, we're not supposed to, you know, Ontario has kind of put a pause on social circles so just keep that in mind um also i'm gonna drop it in there and keep it in mind that there um are also ten thousand dollar fines for large gatherings that exceed the numbers um, put in place by the province um and if you are in attendance of one of these large gatherings you can be fined 880 dollars um so keep that in mind with um homecoming weekend coming up there are now only 12 active cases of COVID-19 in the region, which is really great that we are kind of seeing those numbers drop um, in the Kingston area and a little bit beyond that, you know, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington. Can't forget about those places as well. Um, but yeah, we are kind of dropping the numbers, which is really, really great. Um, the two positive cases um, over the past couple of days that tested positive are from two women in their 60s. One is from the South Frontenac area and one is from the Kingston area and it is unknown how one of the women contracted the virus. The other woman contracted the virus through close contact, um, but um, they are isolating, and um, hopefully we can see more recoveries as well over the next um, few days. We did have six recoveries recently, um, six resolved cases, I should say, um, which is really, really great, but um, yeah, we are seeing those numbers drop, which is great, great news for our area. You know, Kingston did a really great job containing the virus and um, having it really, really plateau, if that, um, over the summer um, to a point where we almost had no cases for about like three, four weeks, which is really, really great. So hopefully we can kind of see that pattern again soon here. Um, but yeah, just remember to stay safe, folks. Um, wear your mask, wash your hands, sanitize your hands, um, socially distance as much as you can um and yeah that's my uh, little reminder for you all there um but i hope that you all had a lovely um half an hour tuning into my show um thank you so much for listening and i hope that you have a great rest of your week and a great weekend as well hopefully um we can get some nice sunshine like we did today um however it's well it is supposed to rain um over the next couple days or at least be cloudy um so just keep that in mind you know bundle up a little bit but i hope that you all enjoyed today's episode of today in ygk stay safe take care and thank you for tuning in to cfrc 101.9 fm thank you for listening to today in ygk produced with the generous support of the faculty of engineering and applied sciences at cfrc 101.9 fm at queen's university in kingston ontario on the traditional lands of the anishinaabe and haudenosaunee peoples <laughs>